Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items, like <gasps> Dave single with a ten piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that, chicken Sam crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's Dave's nugs, nugs, Sam Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price of participation may vary at U.S. Wendy's. On the card only, single item at regular price. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our rock, our redeemer. Amen. There are certain things that separate life inside the beltway from life outside the beltway. Living in such close proximity to our nation's capital, so close to buildings made of marble and granite, buildings that are full of leather-bound books that smell of rich mahogany, just down the street from firms with too many names attached to them. Living in this place, there is a level of respectability and civility that we are accustomed to. Now, that's not to say that those heathens who live outside the Beltway are not respectable or civil, but come on, you all know this. There is just something different about living where we live. Something different about being a church where we are a church. I mean, after all, you all expect your clergy, your pastors to go to seminary. Two of us are going multiple times on your behalf to sit in libraries and read books that you would never dream of reading, leather-bound books, mind you. But you also expect us to read things like the Washington Post and the New York Times. You expect your clergy to connect what is happening around you on a daily basis to what God is doing in the thick of the mess that you may or may not be responsible for creating. Even if you don't live inside the Beltway, living in D.C. and living in Northern Virginia carries a level of status that cuts through the economic and social labels that we apply to one another. Remember, our below-the-fold stories the stories that get buried on page A9 or D12 of the Post, those are front and center news stories in newspapers and evening news, newscasts around the country. And this is why last Sunday, when Pastor Sarah quoted Robert Capon saying that Jesus saves losers and only losers, I was taken, taken aback. Losers? Doesn't Robert Capon know who we are? Doesn't he know who I am? Doesn't he know the connections that I have because of my connection to you all and, and your connections to other people? We find ourselves in week two of our parable storyteller sermon series. The stories that we tell in and out of the church form us. These stories communicate who we are to others, and they reveal to us both the beauty and the sorrow of the world. 
The stories told by Jesus can leave us scratching our heads in confusion, bawling our fists in frustration. And then the next verse can leave us crying or laughing. Most of the stories told by Jesus are parables. Parables are stories that use an illustration familiar to the original audience to reveal a universal or biblical truth. Jesus begins each parable or series of parables by saying the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a lost sheep or a lost coin or a lost son. The kingdom of God is like a fig tree or a Samaritan walking down a dangerous road. Or in our lesson today, the kingdom of God is like an unjust steward or a crooked manager. There was a rich man who made his living off the backs of tenant farmers by leasing land from the rich man's estate. These tenant farmers were required to purchase supplies for their farms and their families from the company store. These purchases were made, though, after paying an exorbitant amount of rent. But each year, the harvest was never enough, resulting in debt accumulating year after year after year. So each year, the rich man got richer, and his tenant farmers became further in debt. And then there was a manager. This manager is one step above the farmers. He's the hired muscle of the rich man. He's the enforcer, the collection agency. But times were tough. And somewhere along the line, the manager decided it was time to cut corners or maybe just keep some of the estate's profits for himself. Think of him as a biblical times Robin Hood. Had Robin Hood robbed from the rich and kept the riches for himself. The rich man is ready to fire the estate manager. He said, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. The manager knows what's about to happen. The writing is on the wall. So he begins to set himself up for a post-employment life by forgiving the farmer's debts and garnering support for himself. Getting support by forgiving debts that were impossible to forgive. At this point in Jesus' parable, most respectable people, people like you and me, we can't believe the manager's actions. If this happened in any business that you ran, if this was an employee of yours, you would fire this person on the spot. You would call the police because what this person done was not just wrong, it was criminally wrong. This parable goes off the rails for respectable people. People formed by the ways of the world when the rich man forgives the manager. He commends him. He brings him before all of the employees at the company lunch and gives him a plaque to hang in his office commending his good works. This man stole from his employer. He cost his company money. And he's commended? But because Jesus is telling this story, such is the kingdom of God. Jesus has been preaching about grace for the last six chapters. 
in Luke's gospel. 9 through 16, grace, 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 and more grace. Jesus telling us, telling his first followers that God loves you. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can change it. Like it or not, God loves you just as you are right now. Jesus is in the business of saving, saving losers because according to Capon, Jesus himself is a loser. The parable of the unjust steward, this crooked manager, is a story of Jesus' own life. Jesus was not, is not respectable by our standards. He broke the rules set by the establishment. He spent more time with the wrong kind of people than he did with the right kind of people. And ultimately, his ministry ends in utter failure when he dies a criminal's death. Respectability tells us that forgiveness is a top-down affair. Only the rich man could forgive the debts of his tenants. But as Jesus tells us in the lesson that Jim read for us, forgiveness in the kingdom of God is bottom-up. The soon-to-be-fired manager realized that he had no life outside of the rich man's estate. He was a dead man walking. And because he was a dead man walking, he was free to view the world as he never could. Viewing the world from the bottom. And in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus tells about over and over again, new life comes from the bottom up. New life for the manager. New life for the tenant farmers. New life even for the rich man. One of the difficulties with Jesus' parables is that we often misplace ourselves in the story. We like to think that we're the shepherds seeking out the lost sheep, but we're really just sheep. We like to think of ourselves as the good Samaritan, but at best we're the person in the ditch. Or worse, we're the person in that story walking on the other side of the road, past the person in need, rolling up our windows, locking the car doors. The unjust steward, the crooked manager in our lesson is none other than Jesus himself. Jesus is telling a story about the kingdom of God where debts are forgiven, contrary to what respectability and the ways of the world say. Robert Capon wrote, Respectability regards life, success, and winning. But it will have no truck with the grace that works by death and losing, which is the only kind of grace there is. Through grace, Christ saves those respectability and civility says are beyond saving. This is not a parable about financial management. That's not what this sermon is about. We'll do that in a couple of weeks. It's a parable about new life. This is a story about new life. New life free from the weight, guilt, and consequences of our sin. New life that comes to us by way of the unjust steward's death to self. New life that is a gift from God given to respectable people, yes, but also to the people ignored, exploited, and forgotten by the respectability that our world demands. 
the unjust manager is inviting us to love God. To love God where we love wealth. To love God where we love security by relying and trusting upon God's amazing grace given at no cost to us. Grace, love, and mercy for scoundrels like you and like me. Amen.